Welcome to the Mission City Church Podcast. My name is Jake Eichert, and I am the Community Groups and Creative Director at Mission City Church, as well as the host of this podcast. Each week, you can find full-length sermons, five-minute sermon breakdowns, and inspiring conversations with guests about discipleship, current events, local outreach, and more. Our mission as a church is to make Jesus known, and we pray that this podcast does just that for you. If it does, please subscribe and share. But for now, please enjoy this episode of the Mission City Church Podcast. My name is Russell. I am the lead pastor at Mission City. And uh, we last week we were here for the first time, which is incredible. We kind of took a break from the series that we've been in in Abraham. And now we are going back to it and uh, looking forward to that. Next week is the last week of the series. Uh, and Jake will be preaching that over Abraham and Isaac. But before we get to that, we get to look at this st- interesting two characters or two people from the story of Abraham uh, and Sarah, which is uh, his... Uh, the, the, the slave that Sarah gave to Abraham to have a child to kind of fix the problem of, of her not being able to get pregnant. And so it's a really interesting story. It's a very important story. And so that's Hagar and, and, and Ishmael are the two people that we're looking at today because God tells Abraham, if you're not familiar with the story of Abraham, he says, hey, I'm going to make you the father of uh, this nation, this great nation. Your descendants are going to be outnumber the stars. And he is old and he doesn't have any kids. And his wife is getting older as well. And so um, we're just going to look at this. And honestly, as um, as I've been studying it this week, this is a challenging story. These are This is a challenging thing um, because what we see in this, this time is we see God continue to work through human poor decision. And this is good news for us because you and I make poor decisions uh, and God continues to, to offer second chances and continues to work in our own lives. But, 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 but God, uh, what we see in this is that it doesn't mean that just because God continues to work, he continues to graciously and merciful work uh, through, through situations like this. It doesn't mean it's not hard. It doesn't mean there's not pain. And it doesn't mean, mean that people, it's not an excuse. Like people did have done wrong. Specifically in this story, like Sarah and Abraham, in my opinion, are like the bad guys in the story. And, uh, and so we see this. Um, and so we're going to look at it. It's, gonna, it's, a, it's kind of a hard story in some ways, but we're going to look at it. And so, uh, but in light of this idea of talking about God working through human poor decision, uh, there's a guy I've been reading, his name's John Golden Gay, and he says this. Uh, he says, he goes along with the dubious human plans in which the, con- uh, the conflict ensues. He does not insist on working via ideal plans, this is God, and pure intentions, but accepts the necessity to work through unsavory plans and questionable decisions. And so this is what God does in our own lives. This is what God does in your life. Uh, there's one pastor I, li- I like a lot. Uh, his name's Matt Chandler. He talks about how like you are the cause and, and, and reason for more pain and hurt in your life than anyone else. It doesn't mean that someone else hasn't hurt you, but you're also a part of that problem. Uh, and uh, and the thing about it is, is that God continues to work in our lives, drawing us to himself. Uh, and he, do- he works through unsavory and questionable decisions decisions that we make, and he also works through unsavory and questionable decisions that people, uh, like, Im- Im- impact us or influence us or hurt us in some ways, too. And so, again, um, but what does this mean for us? It means that God doesn't give up on you, so this is good news. Like, if you come in today and you're, you're, you're thinking, oh, I'm, I'm done, like, there's no reason for me to even, like, try to pursue a relationship with Jesus, no, like, God continues to pursue you and doesn't give up on you. Uh, what, uh, in, in, in the midst of that as well. Um, 
what it also means is this, is that like when I make a poor decision, when I make, um, when I try to take the reins, if you will, of what God is, like my own life, and if God is leading me in a, in, in a certain way, when I try to do that, what ends up happening is sometimes I will mistreat and hurt others. And this is a very sobering thing for us, like the, that you have and will mistreat and hurt other people. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a part of the human condition. We don't like that. We don't like to admit that piece of it. It's, it's like, the, uh, like, like, let's talk about the people that hurt me. Like, let's go talk about judgment for those people, which is true. That's the third thing that I would say is this, is that the other hard part about this is because people take uh, situations in their own hands. They, they go about it. They try to do things their own way that is outside of God's will and God's way in his good world. Therefore, I will hurt people and I will be hurt by someone else. I mean, just straw poll. You don't even have to close your eyes. Have you ever been hurt by someone before? Raise your hand. Have you ever hurt someone before? Raise your hand. It's a reality. It's a reality of the human condition. And we serve a God that says, hey, I'm going to work in spite of these conditions. And he does that. He, his people, and the other thing too, that you can, you, we could spend a whole time of talking about God's people doing bad things to people that, that it wasn't even their fault. They just happened to be a part of it, like a bystander. Like, I feel like Hagar in this is like a, a bystander. She just happened to be wrong place, wrong time. Uh, yet God continues to be gracious to Abraham and Sarah, and he's also gracious to uh, Hagar and her son Ishmael. So to really see this in Genesis 21, we have to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 16. Uh, and so this is where Sarah, or Sarai, says, takes this in her own, uh, she takes this scenario in her own hands, right? God's promised Abraham to be a great nation, and, 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 and he, they don't have kids. And so she says, you know what? I'm going to fix this. I'm going to solve this problem. And see, see this 16 verse 1. It should be on the screen. It says this. Uh, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, uh, but she had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar and Sarai said to Abram behold now the Lord has prevented me so she's actually giving blame to God from bearing children so go into my servant uh, it may be that I shall obtain children by her so here's an idea like I can't have kids so here is my servant so that you can have kids uh, and Anyway, that's a, that's a, that doesn't work in nowadays for several reasons. Uh, but Abram just goes like, all right, I listen. He just listens to her, which is like, Abram, come on. Like, could you at least have a little bit of like, no, I'm not supposed to do that. Or like, maybe God has another plan. But no, Abram's like, okay, and let's just go for it, right? And so it's, this is a recipe for disaster in, in this. Uh, and also look at the similarities. Look, look at the similarities between Genesis chapter 16 and Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 is where uh, the woman encounters the serpent and where they eat of the fruit and stuff like that too. And so look at this. You see 16.2. So uh, she, Sarah, or Sarai said to, uh, verse Genesis 3.2, the woman said to, uh, Abram listened to, to Sarai. You listen to your wife is what God says to uh, Adam. Uh, Sarai took, she took some, this is Eve, uh, and she gave her to her husband and she also gave some to her husband. And so if you're a reader of the Old Testament, if you're a reader of Genesis and you're, you're looking closely, because again, the, the author of, of Genesis, they're, they're building something together. These themes, these words, they're building something together. You're going to see that and you're going to go, I have seen this before. And you go, all right, so how did it work for Adam and Eve? 
what do they do? They, the, before that, they covered themselves and hid from God, and then they were sent out from the garden. And so when we see this kind of theme, this kind of line, we go, uh-oh, something bad is going to happen. And so God doesn't uh, send them away, but we've seen this before because this is what we do as human beings. We say, no, I'm going to go my own way, although now I'm going all Fleetwood Mac in my head just singing it right now, just singing that right now. Can't stop. Just won't get out of there. But like we, we do, we tend to go our own way, and in that we, 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 we sometimes go opposite of the way that God has for us, and this is troubling, and what happens is it, it, it leads to disaster for ourselves, and oftentimes it leads to disaster for other people, and so what happens? Well, and so Adam and Eve, what they do is they, they, they cover themselves to hide this. Uh, Sarah, what she does, uh, instead of covering herself, what she does is after this happens, what do you think? She thinks she's happy now that her servant, her, her servant now has a kid with her husband? You think that's just going to bring her joy every time she sees that son? No, she's mad. She's angry. And so what does she do? We're not going to read it, but she ends up abusing and afflicting Hagar. She ends up abusing Hagar and doing it so much that Hagar flees. God says, hey, no, I'm going to take care of your kid. I'm going to make him a great nation. And she sends him, God sends her back to that as well. And so we're, we're left with this is like Sarah and Abraham trying to solve their own problems and it's leading into a disaster. And so... And, and we know this, and so maybe like you're a reader of the story and you don't know where it goes from here, you don't know about Isaac's coming, and you're like, all right, maybe God's just going to work through this, 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 this baby Ishmael, like this is what Abram is thinking, like he's hoping, he's like, well, I got a son, this is my firstborn, this is how the culture works, firstborn gets the majority of things, gets the, the, the best of things, like maybe this is the plan, maybe like God's just going to orchestrate it this way, and we see in Genesis 17, it doesn't, and, and, and so we see this renewal of promise, and we're not preaching on this whole thing and then the sign of the promise or the covenant which is circumcision uh and so but then we also see that god says you know what no my intention my will my plan was for this family that i promised you that i said would outnumber the stars or as many as the stars this family is going to come from you abraham and sarah and he says this in 17 verse 15 he says god also said to abraham as for sarai your wife you no longer call her sarai her name is sarah I will bless her and surely give her a baby or a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. And he's leaning back on the promise he already said. Kings of people will come from her. And this, he's establishing some of the nation of Israel that's going to come. And ultimately, King Jesus will come from this line. But Abraham, he's hoping after this mistake, after they've tried to solve it their own way, Abraham fell down on his face and he laughed and he said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? This is how old he is. That's old. You know what I'm saying? I'm 35. That feels old to me. And you're like, that's not old, Russell. But you know what? 100, that's really old, okay? That's really old. And then he says, will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? So she's 90 years old. And Abraham said, this is his hope, right? So we, did, we had this plan, God. Sarah said that, that I would have a baby with Hagar, and I had a baby, and his name's Ishmael. And he says, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. And he's trying to solve the problem himself with a mistake that they made from years earlier. And God promises, he said, hey, listen, I'm going to bless, I'm going to bless Ishmael, but he, he, he's not, this is not him. This is not the nation. This is not for him. My plan is for Abraham and Sarah. This is the plan. And honestly, this, it, this one right here is hard for us sometimes. 
Because God's plans aren't always our plans. And his ways are greater than ours and, and we should lean into them and trust him. But sometimes that is easier said than done. Like that God's plans are not always our plans. God's timeline is not always our timeline. And this is hard for us. Uh, and sometimes we can get stuck here, honestly. Like this could be the one, like if you've been waiting for something for a long time, like I've been waiting for something for a long time and it hasn't happened. And, it's, and people say, well, it's just God's plan. You need to wait. And it is God's plan because clearly it's, it's, I'm living it right now. Um, but it, sometimes it can get me to be stuck here and cause me not to be faithful or not to believe or not to trust God. And, uh, and, and I'm not, I might not be okay with the plan, therefore I'm not going to trust him anymore. And, and this, is, this, is, this, is a, this is a question of maturity, this is a question of learning and growing in our faith. It's like understanding, like I am going to lean into the story that God has written for me and the, and the plan that God has written for me, and I'm going to live it out, I'm going to trust him that is better than the plan that I have, even though sometimes I think I have some pretty good plans. You know what I'm saying? And so for us, it's learning, it's learning and trusting and leaning into God, even if it's not on my timeline, even if it's not what I want, even if it's not the order that I, I want it to be. And so we see that, um, so God, and Abraham trusts God. He says, all right, I, I trust you, I believe you. And so what happens? God says Sarah's gonna have a baby, and what happens? She has a baby. That's what God does. At 90 years old, that's an old time, that's a long time to have a baby. Verse 21, the Lord visited Sarah, and he had said, he has said, and said, Lord, uh, excuse me, I got really off there. And the Lord did not uh, did to Sarah as he had promised. Verse two, and, he, and Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham and Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And so we see this. And to me, this is like, a soap opera that's happening, right? God promises this thing to Abraham. He's gonna be a father. They can't have kids. Sarah find, like, puts, like, finds another way. There's like, in, not infidelity, but like, like uh, agreed infidelity in some ways. They have a kid. This kid is supposed to be technically the heir. God says, no, it's not gonna be him. It's gonna be this other person. They finally have this baby, Isaac. Uh, another story, like Sarah's laughter is a part of this. If you, if you read this, this word laughter pops up. We just read it that Abraham laughing, but it's almost like laughing and, and like this is impossible. Like this is unbelief type of laughter, you know what I mean? Like almost like a sarcastic laughter. Whereas now her laughter, which was something where was, was a sign of her disbelief, has become a sign of her belief. Now, as it says in verse six, it says, God has made laughter for me and everyone who hears will laugh over me or other translations would say who, they will laugh with me. And so now people, when they hear about Isaac, they're going to share in laughter. They're gonna share in the joy with Sarah because God has done the impossible and God is doing the impossible as well. And it's amazing. Also, do you know what Isaac means? It means laughter. So even his name is a representation of, 
uh, of that. It's, 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 it's a representation, it's a reminder of that as well. And, uh, and so Sarah laughs, uh, and so Sarah laughs, and people laugh and share in her joy. And, and not only that, like we, if you, if you take laughter to go to all the way to joy, like we laugh, we share in the joy because from her line, salvation comes to the nations. From her line is Jesus, and in him we have salvation, and in, in him we have joy, and in him we can laugh, we can, we can live a different life because God has worked through this family as well. And so this is a beautiful moment, right? This is a, this is a powerful moment. This has happened. God did what he promised. Even if you're like, Sarah, you did this wrong thing, you, you gotta hurt, like you still hurt with her. Like this is a, a successful thing. Like, yes, that was evil what you did to Hagar, but like a mom who's been waiting to have a baby for a long time finally comes to fruition. Like there's joy in that. There's success in that. There's, there's, there's like, you wanna just wrap your arms around that person and say, yes, like we went, like this, there's winning in that. There's there's just good stuff that comes from that. And then in an instant, it just like, it all flips. And in verse eight, and, and the child grew and was weaned. And so Isaac is weaned and, and, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. And so, but Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, who she had born to Abraham laughing. And so she said to Abraham, this is Sarah, she says, cast out this slave woman with her son for the, the, the son of this slave woman shall not bear the heir, be the heir with my son Isaac. And so you see this very quick thing. So they throw a party, uh, infant mortality or inf- infant death was something that, that, that happened all the time back in the, in the biblical day. You, this would make sense to us, right? Med- medical advances where we are today. I mean, this is thousands of years, right? Uh, b- before Jesus, two thousand years, thousand years before, thousands of years before that. So the people died as their baby. So, but when a baby gets to a point where they they don't need their mom anymore, like it'd be about three years old, and they would throw these parties to celebrate, like he's they've made it, they've made it. <laughs> what an amazing thing to be a three year old. You're like, I made it. <laughs> what an amazing thing, right? But they may, they're they're celebrating this, and um, and so Sarah looks over and sees. That, 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 that the son is the son of the slave woman, which is Ishmael, um, is, is laughing. And, uh, and so th- they cast this person out. And, and so the interesting thing about this is um, we don't know exactly what Ishmael's doing here. There's not a ton, right? It just says he's laughing. Some people think that he's laughing, like he's mocking or making fun of Isaac. Some people go as far to say that he potentially is abusing Isaac um, in, in this, this time. You, can't, you don't know. You can't make that conclusion. But you know for whatever it is, the reaction is Sarah sees something and she just reacts. If you go the opposite, he could be like sharing in the laughter that Sarah uh, says that when people see this, they're going to laugh as well. We don't know this. All we know is that Sarah says, no, 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 the heir is going to come through. The inheritance is through Isaac, and this guy is not going to be anywhere near it. I mean, Ishmael would have been about 14, 15 years old at this time, and so again, he's the in, in that culture, firstborn, he, regardless of who the mom is, is, is going to get the, like the main portion, the main portion of the inheritance. And she's saying, hey, we're not even going to play this game. Get out. Like, get out now. And, and so what happens is, is Abram s- sends them away. And this would be hard. I mean, imagine this. Abraham, think, think about the story. Abraham's raised this kid 14, 15 years, and your wife says, you need to send them away. 
Think about how much you would love your kid. He sends him away. And, and the, the thing was displeasing, verse 11, to Abraham on the account of his son. But God said to Abraham, be not displeased because the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah said to you, do is as she tells you. For though Isaac shall, uh, excuse me, for through Isaac your offspring be named. And so God is affirming, like, this is the plan, this is the plan, this is the plan. And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. And so he says, hey, I'm still going to bless them because he's still your kid. And so Abraham rose early in the morning and took, a piece of br- took some bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder, along with the child, and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And so this, I mean, this is agonizing to Abraham, yet he trusts God, he sends them away, and, 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 and this, is, this is what happens. And so they have some water, and they have some bread, and they're wandering a little bit, and then you know what happens, if, especially if you've been to the Middle East after a period of time? You run out of water, and they're thirsty, and they're about to die, and so Hagar puts Ishmael into a bush to kind of protect him from the sun, potentially, as, and she goes a, an arrow shot away from him, which is about a half a mile, which is interesting and fascinating in its own way, but she was about a half mile away from him at the most, but just far enough away from him to still see him, but still, you know, just doesn't want to be there when he dies, because it seems like it's, it's getting pretty grim, and verse 17, they both call out to God, and God heard the voice of the boy and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy, and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the skin with the water and gave it to the boy. And so God miraculously, we don't know if she just couldn't see the well, or like he opened her eyes to it, or God miraculously made a well right there. We don't know. But she finds water, and they're saved, and they're rescued. And God continues to affirm that he's going to bless Ishmael. And God was with the boy, and he grew up, and he lived in the wilderness, became an expert with the bow. And he lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. So he, gets, he, he marries someone from his homeland as well. And so then we don't really hear a ton from Ishmael and Isaac, or Ishmael and Hagar. We do know that eventually when Abraham dies, that Ishmael and Isaac are both there to bury uh, their father. But this is a crazy story, is it not? I mean, think about this. This is a story of the patriarch of the, 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 the Jewish faith and the patriarch of, of this story, the beginning of this covenant, and he has this intermingling tension with his kids. And so what do we do with a story like this? Like, what on earth do we do with a story like this? I'm, I, as I was preparing, I was like, why on earth did we pick this story uh, to talk about? But this is a part of, this is in the scriptures, and there's, there's so many different places that you can, you can look um, here as well. But I think, I think the conclusion that I do want to make today is that God has a plan, and we get in the way, uh, or, and, or we get impatient and bring trouble and calamity out of our disobedience by trying to take the reins for ourselves. Like God has a plan for our lives. He, God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for my life. God has a plan for how he's called us to live and also has a plan in things that he has for you in your life. And sometimes we get in the way and we get impatient. And when we do that, it brings trouble on ourselves and it brings trouble onto people that we love, sometimes um, not even on purpose. Uh, and so we t- when we take the reins of our life, uh, or if you're a Carrie Underwood fan, that when you take the wheel of your life. <laughs> 
my only joke of the whole sermon. It's just waiting there, it's in parentheses, <laughs> with a little smiley face. <laughs> That's how lame my brain works. <laughs> and everyone loves Jesus, take the wheel. All right, um, ironically enough, I was talking to my mom this morning. Sorry, this is not in the sermon. I was talking to my mom. I, I called my mom on the way to get the trailer because she's up because she lives in Georgia. Uh, she would be up anyway because she gets up at like four, but... Um, we were talking about something, and I, I swear, she goes, you know what, but that's okay. I just believe that Jesus is going to take the wheel. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm talking about that today. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, but we do. Like, and, and so really, I mean, simple conclusion, if you're like, okay, that was a lot of stuff. I still don't understand the story. Go back and read it. It's fascinating uh, in some ways. But God does have a plan. Like, God is working in this world uh, and God has a plan for you, he has a plan for us, and we should trust him. That's really one of the simple things is we should trust him. That, that's e- way easier said than done, right? If you're waiting for something, if you're hoping for something, you're looking for a job, looking for what, whatever else it might be, but am I willing to follow and trust him? And, am I w- and if I am, what I'm doing is I'm believing that God is good, and this can be difficult, but God truly is good, and he's, and he's going to. I think another thing that's interesting from this is that God cares for everyone in, involved in this story. And in the same way, when I say that like, God is a God of second chances, he's the, sec- he, he's the God of second chances for Abraham, for uh, Sarah, for Ishmael, for Isaac, and for, for Hagar. And each of them have different encounters along the way, but that God is giving them second chances. Like Abraham and Sarah, the covenant is fulfilled through this couple, even though their disobedience leads to the hurt for this family of Hagar and Ishmael. Hagar and Ishmael didn't ask to be a part of this. Like they, they, I, somehow they got picked up by Abraham and Isaac in Egypt. Like they're Egyptians. Abraham, uh, Abraham and Sarah went to Egypt. Somehow they gathered more Egyptians when they left. And so they got picked up along the way. We don't know if her si- situation was better or worse in Egypt uh, or if it was better or worse with, with Abraham. Uh, but regardless, in this, in, the, in, reg- in this vein, she gets abused and afflicted uh, by Abraham and Sarah and in their plan, and that's not okay. That's not okay. Yet God continues to take care of her. God says, hey, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to make your, your kid into uh, a great nation as well. Uh, and God cares about you and I in this as well, because what God is doing in Abraham and Sarah is he's beginning his redemptive work and his redemptive thing through this family of Abraham that the line of Jesus would come through and this is how he deems it's the best way to do it and so he is thinking of everyone involved along the way. I think another thing that makes uh, another one of the things to think through is just having compassion just as as people having compassion, learning what it means to have compassion. This is difficult for me as someone that doesn't emote a lot. Like I don't have a lot of feelings. I don't show a lot of feelings. But learning how to have compassion. Um, Because if you haven't already, you've been exposed and experienced the evil and disobedience of someone else impacting your life. And, and for that, like, we need to have compassion for people who are hurting. Hagar didn't ask for this. She was forced to have a child, then abused, then sent away. And your story might have a chapter or two experiencing the repercussions of this sinful, broken world. And, and honestly, I'm so sorry. 
Like I wish I could show more emotion, it, like even in this moment, like I feel more than I show, it's just how I'm wired, but I'm so sorry like that, that you have had to experience the brokenness of this world, and we want to be a place where this community is full of compassion, and to say, like with justice, to say what that person did to you, they shouldn't have done that, they shouldn't be able to do that, that is wrong, that is wrong, that is wrong, and like God's not even okay with it as well, like this is, this is wrong. Uh, like what Sarah and Abraham did was wrong. Like what Sarah, like Sarah going her own way and then abusing Hagar is wrong. A- Abraham just like passively just being like, sure, whatever you say, Sarah. Like I'm just going to go along with whatever it is. It's it's wrong. This abusive relationship. Um, and so we have com- we want to have compassion for those that are broken and hurting, uh, but we also want to be a place where where. Where, where people who have done wrong, which is everyone in this room, can go and find healing and redemption and reconciliation as well. And this is the, this is the catch-22 for us. This is the tension for us. And this is the hard thing to do, is being a place full of compassion, full of compassion for people who have been hurt, but at the same time is being a place full of forgiveness and grace and mercy and learning how to be a community of that as well. And... um. You know, people talk about um, in this day, like we have this cancel culture. Uh, I'm sure you've not heard of it. Uh, <laughs> that was not in my notes. There's no smiley face. But we, <laughs> we, ha- but we have cancel culture. Um, and, and a part of it, like there's the good part about it, in my opinion, is there's like this elevated sense of justice. Like it's good, right? Like we are saying things, that's wrong. Like we're, we're saying, like when you see something out there that is wrong, that is not, not, not fair, not wise, we're saying that is wrong and, 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 and we're, we're saying it. We're, we're calling evil for what it is. But outside of, the, outside of that, outside of the good news, what you miss on that is you miss the fact that, that in Jesus, yes, like we are all that though. Like every single one of us should be canceled or would be canceled for something that we have done, will done, or, 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 or I guess could do, right? But it ultimately is this, is that there is this sense in Christ, there is grace, forgiveness, and mercy in the midst of being a Jesus follower and in the midst of learning how to live life with other human beings. Because the reality is, is that, that we are human beings, we're broken, we're gonna hurt other people. I, um, when I started dating Cassidy, my wife, um, very early on, this is, I wouldn't say that I would say this like, if I was instructing you on giving you dating advice, which I wouldn't come to me for dating advice, but if, I wa- if you were to ask me um, a question about this, I, early on, I told Cassidy, like it might've been like date two or three, I was like, just so you know, if we, this thing goes for a while, I'm gonna really hurt you which is not, yeah, <laughs> early on, right? Well, it tops is like date four, okay? Which is like, you're a moron, what are you doing? <laughs> um, but the reason I wanted to tell her that is because it's true. Like, if, you, if you're thinking that I'm never going to hurt you, then you're, you're just waiting to be disappointed because I've lived with me for a long time and I know that I will let you down. And... Um, but what we want to learn to do is when I do hurt you, that you say it, it hurts. And then we, then, we learn, then we learn how to forgive. Then we learn how to have grace. Then we learn how to have mercy. And so what the cancel culture, in my opinion, is lacking is 
there is no bounds or there, there's no room or no avenue for grace, mercy, and forgiveness. So I applaud, I applaud you for the justice. I applaud it for, for, for saying what is right and what is wrong. But where, I, where, where my heart hurts is like, but, but there has to be mercy, there has to be grace and forgiveness. And that's not saying like there's approval and like, like for ab- abusing and all that other stuff too. It's like there's some really wrong things and reconciliation just looks like, like you need to go over there and like I'm not gonna let you have power in my life, like all of these different things. I'm just saying like there has to be coupled with grace and forgiveness. And so for this community, what does that mean? That means is this, is that we want to have compassion and we want to acknowledge the fact that we are human beings that go our own way, that we will hurt people, that we will be hurt by people, and we want to have compassion for those that are hurt, and we want to learn what mercy and grace and forgiveness looks like in Jesus for, for when we do wrong, and then we want to look, look for what reconciliation looks like when possible, when possible, and what that looks like on this side of Christ's return. And then finally, the last one is this, is that what we don't want to do, though, is we don't want to compound evil, Okay? Right, we don't want to do that because that's that's also what happens. Is not only this is like when someone does evil to me, I'm going to do evil back to them, or I'm going to do evil to someone else. It's the uh, the classic uh, cycles of screaming or uh, cycles of abuse. You know, uh, little child screams at their father, father screams at employee, employee screams at spouse, spouse uh, screams at child, child is. Uh, is the first child uh, of, of the beginning of the story. Did I get that right? Yeah, I think so, right? Close enough. I'll draw a diagram for you next week if you need it. <laughs> but the idea is like, if I just, I'm screaming or I'm angry because you're angry at me or uh, someone's hurt me, so now I'm gonna hurt someone else and then they're gonna hurt someone else and they're gonna hurt someone else and it compounds, it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows. And so what we don't wanna do is, the scripture says, we don't wanna repay evil with evil, and so we want to learn what it looks like to say, no, that's wrong, and there's a better way forward. And so I'm going to invite the band to come back up, and, uh, and let, let's pray. So Lord Jesus, thank you so much for today. God, I pray, God, I do pray that in the chaos of this story, God, that you would teach us something, whatever you want to say to us today. God, that we would be a people of compassion, of grace, and kindness. God, I pray that you would uh, lead us in this, that we would learn what it looks like to forgive, and that we would trust you. And God, that we, wouldn't be, we would learn to stop being people who are stubborn that are going our own way. But God, we would lean into your plan and your promise for our lives. And so God, we love you so much. And would you move in this time of response? Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mission City Church podcast. Mission City Church is a non-denominational church in Mission, Kansas. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at Cinemark 20 off of Johnson Drive and I-35. And we also have five community groups that meet throughout the Kansas City metro. If you live in the Kansas City area and would like more information, please visit our website at missioncitykc.com. Or you can send me an email at jake at missioncitykc.com.